and his or her need to spark joy or re-spark joy. All right, so let's look at happiness versus joy for a second. I don't have a verse that I'm going to turn you to just yet. We're going to talk about things uh, more in a general sense, and then we're going to uh, dive into some verses. It's going to be a topical message, and we're going to do a little bit of a sword drill. Amen? Amen. Happiness, external. Joy, internal. There's a clue right there, because uh, happiness generally comes to you from an external source. Uh, an event, a possession, an experience. Generally, things that happen to you, whereas joy happens within you. Um, Happiness is the effect, whereas joy is the cause. Happiness would be the outward manifestation. In times, and could I ever say it, Happiness would be the outward manifestation of that inward joy. Whatever it is that caused joy could be manifested outwardly to those around you as happiness. And that's a good thing, too. Happiness could be the result, whereas joy is the foundation. Makes sense as well. Ties into what was just said. Happiness is temporary, whereas joy is eternal. Now I just opened the door a little, I gave you a little look-see, cracking the door as to the source of joy. Happiness is children, joy is grandchildren. (laughs) No, that's not entirely true. You think, parents, that you get through the terrible twos, but then the teens hit, and you're not fully prepared for that, but then the... 20-somethings hit, and you found out that neither one of the, the prior two prepared you for the latter. But then they start bringing home the grandchildren, and everything is okay again. Have you met Charlie? The other three, I, I don't forget about them because, you know, absence and all that. Charlie gets a lot of my attention, amen, where Jack, Emmy, and Andrew, they just, you know, a couple times a year, but... Happiness tends towards self-bliss, where joy would be selflessness. There's true joy in serving others. I would submit to you that that joy, when we consider the source, like we're going to do here in just a few minutes, not only involves service to others, but it demands service to others. Happiness usually depends upon circumstances. Joy is generally a choice. I feel you. Happiness is easy to describe, whereas joy can sometimes be difficult to define. Happiness usually requires a pursuit, where joy is most usually extemporaneous, happens kind of on the spot without warning. Pursuit of happiness, have you heard that before? It's all about what's going to happen next on our calendar. Oh, when I get to be fill in the blank. When I, get, when I finally get to 16 and I have some freedom, whatever. Can you drive in 16? Did you get yours at 16? Spoiled. 
some kids here have to wait until 18, so you don't have to pay that exorbitant $400 plus dollar, uh, training fee in Washington State. Once I get to 18, once I get to 21, once I get married, once I have a kid, and on and on it goes, it's the next thing on our calendar, whether it be year to year, then I'll be happy. That's what we say, whether we say it out loud or not. But once that happens, then I'll find happiness. We are deceiving our own selves. Because one, it's fleeting. You might be happy for a time, but then it's on to the next event on the calendar, isn't it? And that's life. Oh, once I get to retirement, that's where I am right now. Once retirement hits then things will be different. Oh, will it now? No, I talk to a lot of people in retirement that are looking for things to do besides doctor's appointments. <laughs> I'm not making fun. Oh, I, I tell many of you, I quit making fun of old people like five or six years ago. God's still chasing me for those remarks. I could barely, I was up here on the, platform because my ankle kept popping out. It's like, what? I'm not even going to make it through a service. <laughs> so we look forward to the next thing in order to derive happiness, but we find out that it's fleeting. It's like a vapor. So what about this happiness versus joy thing? Where, where can we go if happiness is short-term or temporal, what about this joy thing? Well, then we should consider the source. I'm going to talk about three types of joy and then we'll be done. I don't promise to get you out early because I quit making those promises many, many years ago. Let's look at personal joy, your and my personal joy. Where is the source? Turn over to Psalm 51 with me, if you would. And let's just go ahead and stand because some of you are dropping off already and we're not going to have any yawning in this service. If I learn one thing in Bible college, it's never yawn during your own sermon. <laughs> it was a good day here, wasn't it? Good Sunday school lesson, Brother Omley. Good sermon, uh, big church, Brother Shane. Good song service. Oh, that got me because some things that... Um, Miss Shelley uh, Hamilton had written on her social media this week. Wow, what impact. I didn't, it was dusty in this room for me too, brother, because the impact on a generation, he was reaching kids, and then they will carry it through. His faith has become sight, amen? I'm jealous of people that died before me, I really am. You're sick. No, don't you look forward to it at all? Tonight could be the night. We could all be popping out of here. That'd be fine. What was David's prayer in Psalm 51? What was going on in his life? Talk back to me. It'll move quicker if, if we have a convo here. This is, this is two-way. What was going on? Have mercy upon me, O God. Wash me. Cleanse me. Because why? I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. What was happening on? Or what, what had just happened? Yeah. 
we dig on David pretty hard, but then we see his heart here. He knows what he did. And he, he knew it was more than just against Bathsheba and her family. It was against God and God alone. So move on down there. Um, Created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He's begging God, look at it. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Not restore unto me salvation. David did not lose his salvation. He lost his joy. Why? A grievous sin. And it took his joy. We're going to look at some uh, potential thieves of joy here in just a minute. But we, we rightly put David on a bit of a, a pedestal except for this. But we know that he was a man after God's own heart, don't we? And that stood even through this. Do you see that God uses broken people? <laughs> we should remember that every time we hear stories of our biblical heroes, they were just as broken as you and I are. And if they can do it and get recorded for posterity, for eternity in God's word, there is no reason that you and I should not. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Let's pray and then we'll move on, okay? I'm going to keep you sticking in for 20 minutes and I'll hear about it later. Thank you, Father, for such a good day in your house and pray for Miss Shelley in the home going of Brother Ron, and I, I didn't myself realize the impact that he had on my life personally until these songs uh, came back around today in this service and this morning and on the radio. He's with you now, and we rejoice in that. Help us now to just uh, dial in for these next few minutes in our time together in the Word, and we'll thank you for what you accomplish. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Your personal joy. Can you lose your salvation? No. No. Because who, from whence does it come? If it's a gift, what do you do when you, you take something back that somebody gives you? You slap them in the face. But now we're all into e-commerce and e-gifting and gift cards, we're letting ourselves off the hook pretty easy. But if Brother Omley gives me his favorite pen, which he won't do, but if he did, because he wanted me to have it, and I said, no, nah, I'm good, it's going to get to him for, for about a half a second, but it'll get to him. It It hurts. So if salvation is a gift from God, and we're going to say, no, I'm good, would we might think about it a while, that if we can give it back, we could also lose it? No, David's prayer was in this, this moment of begging God for a restoration of all things that he had experienced prior to this grievous sin, was restoring to me the joy that I once knew. Some potential thieves of your joy, personally, and, and me. You know, some of the best preaching Shane uh, made mention this morning, I learned this back in the, um, back in the day, 
Brother Orrin Cobb, one of the most gentle pastors, but he could, he could rip the shingles off. The best messages, the best sermons are those that have been preached to the preacher before they ever reach the people. Some potential thieves of your joy and mine. Ungratefulness. Which is tied into a lack of memory. Ungratefulness is directly tied into forgetfulness, if we want to be honest about it. Are we two weeks out of Easter now? Easter Sunday? Was that two weeks ago already? Every, Every Lord's Day is Easter Sunday. If we're not here celebrating a resurrected Christ, if that's not our purpose for gathering together, then let's go fishing. Because that means we have a vain faith, right? If we hit it once a year, hit it and forget it, and it's, it doesn't mean anything, then it's meaningless. It's empty. It's vain. So let's not forget. Because when we forget about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all the goodness and the, the unspeakable gift that has been given, then we have a tendency, our tendency as humans, as broken humans, will then eventually lead to bitterness. It starts so small, so almost meaningless. But I've found an experience with people that once it starts and it's not nipped, that root of bitterness can grow very quickly, very quickly. Dangerous place to find yourself. You'll find yourself lonely. Some people, some people uh, bring joy into a room when they get there, and some bring joy to the room when they leave it. You have found this to be true. Joy thieves, what are they? Bitterness, that's something that's internal. The world, we heard testimonies of Uh, young people here last week, they're nervous. Nervous about going into a a peer group that hates God. And you and I as seasoned workers out in the world, we may not be nervous about it anymore, but it's wearing us down. I have coworkers. I think they're in a competition to see how many F-bombs they can drop in a single sentence every morning for an hour to an hour and a half. It wears you down. It can steal your joy. Your thought life can be a thief of your joy. What's Philippians? Turn over to Philippians there. You can go ahead and leave uh, Psalm 51. Turn over to Philippians, one of my favorite chapters, uh, Philippians 4. Change your thought life. Replace. Uh, You've heard of putting off and putting on. That's in, uh, what's that, in Colossians? But replace all that negativity, all that stuff that goes on in your brain. Capture those thoughts. Make those thoughts captive and convert them into the better things, those things that are true. I better read it with you or I'm going to mess it all up. Are you there, Philippians 4? What page is that on, Brother Omley? Wrong, 1250. 
I don't have large print. It's at home. I forgot, and it's going to be a minute. Um, yeah, 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, read it out loud with me, thank on these things. See, that's, there's, you've heard of replacement theology. pastor hasn't gone uh, too deep into it. And I won't either because it's a waste of time. Okay, thank you. But in the mind of the Christian, there needs to be a replacement thought theology, replacing the garbage that will so easily find its way in between your ears with the good stuff. We need to do that every day, every day, whether you're 13 or 96, 95. What? <laughs> Where have I been for three years? Okay, we're. I wasn't going to use an example, but I'm going to now because that's a big number. If Miss Halfaday can have the amount of joy that she shows without effort, seemingly without effort at 98, those of us that are a little bit less than that number years old, that have fewer candles on our birthday cake, we can do better. That's, it's convicting spending time with you because you're so joyful. If I was going to print up a program tonight, I was going to put your picture on the cover. 98. Have you had a bad interaction with this lady where you walked away and you thought, well, she's a Debbie Downer? Never. <laughs> Never. Never, because she has so much for which to be thankful. Are you thankful? Amen. Are you looking for Jesus? Always. Yeah. We can stop right here. Where was I going with that? Replace, replace your thoughts, the negative thoughts that are so likely to creep in. How does that happen? Because you have an adversary. We focus on our problems. Let's rather focus on our joys. That's what we do by default. How are you doing? Well, my back hurts again. My ankle's popping out. My knees are going bad. That's, if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm, I might give that answer. Works. A drag, the kids got the flu, but it's been sure nice talking to you. We focus on the negative where we should be focusing on Christ. Because all that he has said and done is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. I butchered that a little bit, but you know the gist of it. To paraphrase. He ain't ever done me nothing but good. I've said that here before. But what do we do? As our, our bent is, as our tendency is, we're more likely to focus on that which is not going to be joyful. That's our, oh, circumstances. Isn't there, 
anything better than being on the way to work, and this is going to happen tomorrow as soon as I say it, on a Monday morning and somebody else is having a worse day than you are and there's a road raid incident that involves you and you're innocent. Doesn't that just get the day off to a joyful start? Circumstances can afflict your joy. Other people's attitudes can impact and influence and afflict your joy. We talked about bitterness. It can be in your own heart or in the hearts of others with a ripple effect. And we talked about chronic pain certainly have an impact. Thieves of joy. That's in your personal life. So what do you do? What's the fix? Think on these things. Flip your thinking. Who was it? Uh, the stinking thinking guy. I met him once. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. We saw him in uh, Kansas. Oh, no. His whole thing, he did motivational uh, speaking, and he said, you're afflicted with stinking thinking. Your attitude will um, determine your altitude. Zig Ziglar. Anybody here, Zig? He's long into heaven. Uh, we got to see him live once, and he gave a very clear gospel presentation at the, at the end of his thing. So he knew what the, the right attitude was, right, where true joy came from, comes from. Your personal joy, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to fix it? Do you want to be salt and light to those around you? Get you some joy. Pastoral joy. Oh, here he goes. He's going to talk pastor when he's not here. Well, yeah, that may be one reason I'm preaching. I don't know. There's a holy conspiracy of joy. This guy named uh, David wrote about, and I found a very compelling article, this holy conspiracy of joy. Pastors automatically, when called to pastor, called to full-time uh, ministry, are already given a measure of joy. It's part of the calling. Because they're not doing it for the money, honey. And if you believe that, we need to have a chat. But they're given a measure of joy that it is the church's, and we'll get to this in just a second here with uh, public joy, it's the church's duty to help maintain to not denigrate. So a pastor, if he's not called to be the overseer of the flock, the under-shepherd of the flock, if he's not called and he's not in it for the bucks, then he's in it to fulfill the calling of God on his life and to see that your personal joy thrives. Well, you got to prove that. Okay, thank you for asking. And now we see the source. John 15. Turn over there, lose your place in um, wherever we were. Philippians. Jesus talking about abiding in him. Um, just giving it both barrels to the disciples, um, illustrating with um, 
vine and the fruit. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 9. John 15, 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Uh-oh. This joy can't be stirred up. It can't be manufactured. No, it comes from Jesus. That my joy, he's saying to them, might be in you so that your joy might be full. Hmm. So when we, when we make a conscious choice, a decision to be a grouch and not joyful, not only does it infect and affect those around us in our circle, our immediate families, our co-workers, our fellow church members, and the, the circles are of varying sizes, and sometimes they overlap. We're not necessarily just being a stumbling block to them, but we're sinning against him. Well, how's that? That my joy would be in you, and your joy would be full. Let Jesus top off your joy tank. It's hard. You don't understand my circumstances. I, I, I can't play that card here because we're all under sin. We all have our individual set of circumstances that go deep into your past, that come up to your present, but they don't have to necessarily determine your future. Everybody's raised differently. Different things happen to different people. Some of you have been traumatized by bad, bad people. But you're not letting it affect your today. And for that, you're our heroes. You're my hero. And I may not even know anything about it. Pastor shared just a few things from the pulpit. He's, very, he's more transparent with us than he... That he, um, than he needs to be. But if anybody had a, a reason to be bitter at other people, it'd be that guy. Yeah. Haven't some of the most inspirational stories that you have read or watched been ones where people overcame? Whether it was abuse or um, living condition... Pick a feature, but they overcame by faith. Turn over to Hebrews 13. We have to talk about this. Um, I believe I got here late, shocker, to Sunday school. Jesus' joy ties into pastor's joy. What did I say? Hebrews 13, I meant 12. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with thus so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, 
keeping the focus correct, the author and finisher of our faith, he started, he's going to finish it, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, did Shane talk about setting down this morning? Yeah. I, I love how to, oh, today's been good. The joy that was set before him endured the cross. What joy was Jesus looking forward to that he had to look past the cross to see it? He just told the disciples about it. What, what is Jesus' joy? I'm looking at it. Say it again, sweetie. You and I are Jesus' joy. He could see through time, immortal, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. So he could see, he is the Word. So he could see through it, he, could, he had to see this. He could see past the cross to see the moment in time where you cried out in faith, I don't know what to do, I'm done fighting, I'm turning my life over to you, Lord. This is it. I, I turn from every way that I have tried to gain favor with you, it is all on you. I repent of my sins. I turn from my evil, wicked ways, and I turn to you. That's Jesus' joy. You are Jesus' joy. Oh, why can't we get this? Or we get it so easily, and then we forget it easier. If our salvation is Jesus' joy, why do we keep laying landmines? Spike strips. Why do we keep cheapening grace? Because we're broken. We're broken people. We're sheep. Do a study on sheep. They fall over with their feet in the air. They can't even right themselves. They need help to get back on four. That's you and I. Aren't you thankful for the grace, long-suffering, patience, love, mercy of God that he just puts us right back on our feet? So pastoral joy. Okay, we're in Hebrews. So let's turn over a page to 13. This is a big year for the Renos. Is she in here? Is she in the nursery? Oh, I didn't want to find out that she heard I was preaching, so she stayed home. <clears throat> she wouldn't do that. He would, but she wouldn't. Huh? Turn it off? I thought you said turn it off.
FDA system, always. Every church in America experiences AV demons. Hebrews 13, 17. It talks about several different ways in this chapter. Uh, Remember them, verse 7, which have the rule over you and have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Not just don't forget them, but give due reverence to them. Follow their example. Obey them, verse 17, that have the rule over you. And submit, why should we do all this? I, I happen to believe that Paul wrote, Hebrews. So why did he write, submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with... Okay, so if they come into the ministry with joy, a level of joy is given at the, at the calling. I'm not going to go into depth about how I can prove that, but just know that it's true that there's a level of joy that is God-given to a God-called man that is going to go out and do his will. So he comes into it with a level of joy already in place. So we're not giving him joy or, or supplying him with joy. He has that, just like you and I should have a level of that if we have repented and we know the person of Christ, right? So why is this in here? Read the next phrase. And not with? Okay, so if you can't give him joy, Paul's saying you can probably take it away. Don't do that. How do you steal pastor's joy? Well, this whole row, and I'm not picking on anybody that normally sits here, Okay, I'll pick on her. This is on you. (laughs) I know your type. This doesn't feed pastor's joy. Empty seats on any service, a.m., p.m., Wednesday night. Be in your place and do your thing. Uh, Shane made a plea for... um, workers this morning, stealing all my thunder, but that's okay, it's good to hear it multiple times. Find your place of service. Find it, whatever it is. Pastor puts those pleas out on uh, social for things like um, whatever, what was the last one? We whacking. We need somebody to just take an hour, hour and a half every week and and uh, run through the property and just knock down some weeds. They're coming on hot and heavy on the hillside, I noticed. Uh, this week just different things and do it with joy because it's not in vain in the Lord it's service that's not in vain so find a place wherever it is the nursery the choir uh, scrubbing uh, brass fixtures you owe me for that there's always something that needs to be done Super church. Just throw a few Tylenol in with your coffee in the morning. You'll be fine. You're a survivor. It has had no effect on Mrs. Omley. She's fine. Everything's fine. Find a place of service and do it with joy. You're missing out if you don't, really. 
no guilt intended, unless you take it that way and that there's nothing to do about that. Find a place to serve. Serve with joy. It's not unreasonable. It's really, it's really not. Stand with me at Calvary and look up on an unidentifiable personage that is beaten so badly beyond recognition as a human being and tell me and convince me that an hour and a half choir practice is going to do you in. I won't be convinced. That hurt. That stung to say that out loud. I know what's going through Brother Reed's head right now. Find a place to serve in your local. You won't regret it. If, if you find the place, whatever it is, what time do you get here every Sunday morning? Yeah. 7 a.m. I don't want to steal any of her blessings that she's going to get someday. But when I pull in here, usually about quarter after eight, she's been here for at least an hour. Making that bulletproof (laughs) love juice. Find a place, serve in it with joy. You won't regret it. If you regret it, you come find me, I give you double your money back. You won't regret serving the Lord. It will not result at the end of your life going, you know what? I just served Jesus a little bit too much. That was the straw that broke the camel's back when I took that nursery shift. Well, okay. No, it won't kill you. There have been injuries in the nursery, but to my knowledge, there's never been a death. (laughs) Pastoral joy. How does... Your personal joy tie into pastoral joy? Well, I just read it to you. That they may do it. Do what? Give the account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. Why? Because that's unprofitable for you. Here's your $3 word. That's symbiotic joy. That's joy that flows both ways. Your personal joy ties into pastor's personal joy when you're in your place, plugged in, doing things for the glory of God. Now, how does your personal joy and pastoral joy tie into what I call public joy or corporate joy? John 15, 11, we looked at the source is Jesus. But what did he say after that? We, didn't, we finished the verse, but we didn't spend any time on it. Turn back to John 15, 11, we'll be done. I didn't know we were going to be late. I thought we were going to go early. You get me talking about stuff. These things, all these things, uh, vine, husbandmen, abiding in me, uh, branches, fruit bearing, without me, verse 5, you can do nothing. And... Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Joy, full, full of joy. 
So how's your tank looking? How's your t-shirt looking? Marie, you got it pretty close. Marie Kondo, if we want to spark joy, we'll take it beyond the cross. Uh Uh-oh, now he's going to get into some blasphemy. No, the cross is cause for thanksgiving. Because without it, we're without hope. Jesus knew that. What about angels? Do they have joy? We have time. Let's go for it. Pastor, that guy is so long-winded. Luke 15.10. And then I'll just give you the list of the rest, and you can look those up. Do a word study on joy. Just do search joy, whole Bible, and you're going to be there a while. I didn't want to subject you to that whole thing, so here we are. Luke 15.10. Fifteen, not twenty-three. Luke fifteen and ten. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over what? One. One. You mean we could go years? And years and years, not hearing of a salvation, not of a testimony. But then when there's one, the angels go crazy. Yeah. That's how it happens. Because one soul is a pretty big deal. And if you don't believe that, pull your phone out, flip the camera around so it's facing you and say, I don't matter that much to God. Jesus disagrees. The 99, one sinner that repenteth. Did the Jews have joy in Esther? (laughs) Esther 8, for such a time as this. Wow, what a story. There is joy in sorrow. Weeping cometh, uh, Psalm 30, Psalm 30 and uh, verse 5. Real quick, real quick. The quicker you turn, the quicker we go. Psalm 30, not 49. Verse 5. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That'll get you through when you, you lose a loved one. I'm sure that Shelley Hamilton has referred to that verse this week. I know I did uh, most recently when mom passed. The sun comes up. It's a new day. The gospel, good tidings of great joy. Look it up when you get home, Luke 2.10. The gospel itself is they were bringing good tidings of great joy. But we're not going to be, be able to tonight top the fact that you and I are Jesus' joy. The very fact that we're meeting together, opening up a songbook, singing praises to his name, everything that we do corporately together is an extension of Jesus' joy. Why would we want to hinder that? It's up to you to overcome. So what's your T-shirt say on the back?
Does it say joyful? It should. Consider all he's done. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. Well, you don't, you don't understand, but no, I, I do understand. 2021 was a, a, a deep valley for me emotionally, spiritually. 2022, physically, I'm still suffer, suffering the after effects of 2022. They're going to carry on for some time. Life is hard. It's a joke with the kids. Adulting is hard. I'm here to tell you, life is hard. But then sometimes in my mind, I rewind to pre-October 88. And without Jesus, I would not be standing here tonight. And I would just venture a guess that without Jesus, there are many of you in this room that would not be sitting in these chairs. Are you thankful for his grace? Has he given you joy? He's the source of your joy. You are his joy. Are you wearing it? Let's all stand. Just give it some.